Welcome to Queerly Forward, a podcast that explores queering our healing through pleasure, holistic well-being, and collective liberation. We are your hosts, Bex Lips and Morgan Vanderpool, two queer neuro-spicy therapists and community builders co-creating conversational containers for co-liberation. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. What does it mean to queer our healing? Endless possibilities. What does it mean to queer our healing? Letting wild nature lead. Come with your questions, come with your magic. Come, 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 come. Welcome back to Queerly Forward. I'm Morgan Vanderpool and I'm hanging with Bex Lips. What's up, honey? Hi. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Like, y'all, this is the heart of what has inspired this podcast to be um, in a lot of ways. And we have the deep privilege and honor and, you know, ecstatic excitement Mm. about being able to talk about what does it really mean to queer our healing um, in our own bodies and the collective. And like, we're just going to go. Um, but before we go, but before we go, important to prepare for your journey. Oh yes. Let's prepare (laughs) our journey. It's important (laughs) to prepare for our journey. Um, yeah. So we just want to set up a little bit of spaciousness, um, for ourselves and for our listeners as well. Mm -hmm. Um, as we talk about healing and mental health and mental illness and, uh, oppressive systems that just to track ourselves and track our bodies and be really gentle with what comes up and resourceful resourceful. so let's track your resources y'all this might be a good conversation as all of ours to have some water at hand so that you're in relationship with your h2o oh shit where's my water (laughs) it's underneath (laughs) you i I have my water (laughs) check check Uh, had a snack check check uh also, sometimes like when we're hyper concentrating, it may feel helpful to kind of like let yourself track your space and see the entrances and exits. Notice where your fresh air is coming from, mm-hmm. giving yourself moments to notice your breath moving through your body. Mm-hmm. Um, however you like to process, whether you are a mover, a shaker, a writer, however that might be, get in space to do that if you need to grab your journal. Not that you need to, but you might need to. Depending on what happens as we move You're a along, note taker. You're a note taker. <laughs> yeah, I'm a. I'm a. I like to be walking while I'm listening to podcasts, or like having something to like fidget with, or oh, like yeah. paint, or do some kind of creative thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, your nervous system is listening to this conversation. So we also wanted to offer y'all like a couple minutes to. Do some breathing and moving that way prep you for this moment and many moments in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so in whatever way it feels helpful to you to set your body up, um, to either be seated or to be standing right now. And through whatever way you want to end. Or lying down. Thank you for the options. Mm. <laughs> and offering yourself a few moments to notice what it feels like and how it feels to breathe. There's no 
particular way to approach your breath right now except to allow for yourself to notice that you are breathing and that your body is supporting you in breathing. And in any way that you want to invite some attention to your breath muscles to say thank you for every breath that they help you take. And to remind yourself of the choice that every breath is an opportunity for you to cultivate the wiring within your body in a way that is supportive to you. And in whatever way you might notice that as you're paying attention to breathing, that your body says, please move me, you are welcome to add in a stretch, add in a wiggle, add in a sound. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly maybe giving yourself two or three exhales to fully breathe your breath in a way that feels supportive to you right now. And together we can say thank you to all of the sources of support that we have from our beautiful planet to those who support us and breathe with us on the daily and to our own body's capacity to be able to support us in this very moment. Thanks for grounding us in, Morgan. We are here. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we mean when we say queering our healing? When we were prepping for this episode, my mind went to like, okay, so let's let's do a little bit of what'd you call it earlier? A cartography. Like <laughs> yeah. lay out the cartography, Ma- the yeah, mapping. mapping. Mapping the terrain. Mapping the terrain of, you know, healing. Um and what we're healing from and mm. amidst. Mm-hmm. And then we can say, okay, so how we queer that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Bex and I are in the United States, um, on Turtle Island. We're currently on Puyallup land, just south of the Duwamish. Um, and we're on like the south part of the Salish Sea, um, up here in Washington. And the context of what we're healing from on Turtle Island is a history of immense amounts of violence. Um, and the ripple effects of colonization and how it has built our quote unquote healthcare system is wild. It's wild. Mm-hmm. So we are deemed healthy typically in the United States. And when we live in a way that is in compliance with capitalism and white bodied supremacy and cis heteronormativity and heteronormativity, wellness is kind of anything that allows you to do those things relatively well, at least as far as our, our healthcare system measures it. Mm. Um, as soon as your body shows some sign of protest to those dominant systems, then we will definitely, because we are not protected by those systems, our bodies will show signs of lack of wellness. Um, and so healing, um, to me, means creating more and more opportunity for those systems to not be the markers of our health. Mm. Um, and the markers of our health is being able to deconstruct our relationships with those things, which is a fascinatingly grief-filled and complicated process because we've been taught to prioritize them, and they are the things that either keep us alive or don't keep us alive in a lot of situations. Um, health means returning to any practice that deconstructs our relationship with that. 
So um, the things that I'm thinking about right now are like, ooh, within our healthcare system, the when you are feeling unwell, you go in to get care. And the way that you are deemed worthy of care is if you fit a certain di diagnostic criteria. Mm. Particularly in the mental health care system, those diagnostic criteria more often than not measure how much your body is or is not responding to the dominant systems of violence. Woof. Um, and then <clears throat> the healthcare system then puts a code on that experience and we are then asked to pay for receiving care from the very system that has made us unwell for a really long time. Um, so healing to me, and thankfully to, you know, I, I say to me because I've been really grateful to be in relationship with, you know, earth-led healers and like indigenous healers and folks that are like, we don't. A, either possibly have access to that system or accessing that system does not put me in greater sense of health. Mm. So I'm responsible for my body. And what, do I, what does it mean for me to be responsible for my body and the bodies that I'm in relationship with? And that's when we get down to, like, how do we resource within ourselves on the how we breathe, how we move, how we relate, what we eat, mm -hmm. where all our water and our food comes from. Mm -hmm. That's where we regain agency over what health actually means. And how much can we disembark and disengage and unplug from the ways that we're expected to be compliant with systems of violence? Mm. That's one way to tell the story. <sighs> and I'm sure I missed the 5,000 things and I want to say <laughs> even more, but we'll start there. Um, and I'm leaning into gratitude. There's some folks that I feel like as I've been saying what I just said, um, are pulling from their wisdom. So just to bring their names into the room, we'll continue to iterate our teachers over and over again. Um, we'll go, I'll go with the first time that like my brain was gifted with the framework of understanding like, oh, wow, how does health play along systems like colonization mm -hmm. and the economics that follow it and the religion that follows it and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a bomb ass book that I read. I think I was like just graduating like 22 or something like that from undergrad. And it's called Crazy Like Us. The subtitle of it is The Globalization of the American Psyche. Hmm. Highly recommend, y'all. Like, We'll put that in the show notes. Put that sure. in the show notes. Um, certain conditions didn't exist in certain parts of the world until the United States colonized that space. And then it just maps that along eating disorders, along depression, along mm. all of these things that just don't exist yeah. in situations where you're in copacetic relationship with the ecology around you. Copacetic. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> as soon as you start to behave along yeah. the lines of the yes. expectations of colonizations, of extraction, of disassociation from the ecology around you, that's when you start to become unwell. Yes. Oh. Like, and as, you're, you, as you're, like, ah! this, like, I'm getting, like, <laughs> I'm getting so upset because I'm just like, this is fucked. It's maddening. <laughs> and also, while you were speaking, um, I looked up this quote that I can't remember the first time I heard it, but it just, it just reeks of truth. It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Do Krishna Muti, and I feel like I've seen some version of of that, you know, many, many times. And this is just exactly what you're speaking to is uh, 
so many of the the of the sicknesses and the the illnesses that we are dealing with right now is because of the systems that yeah have have made life this way the values profit over everything else the 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 capitalist hegemony of 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 the colonized world um big words <laughs> um but it's really yeah of course of course we're sick the water's poisoned mhm that's a metaphor and but also not but also not it's like very much not a metaphor no, depending uh-uh. on where you are when you're made of 75% water which our bodies are, and we live on an earth body that is 75% water. It's like how much of her water right now is sick? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sick or too full of things that aren't supposed to be in there that her waters can't run the way that they need to run. Like mm. that is being mirrored in our bodies through the way that cardiovascular disease is rampant amongst spaces where like water is not accessible mm-hmm. and that our, you know, our body temperatures are rising. And so yeah. like, Shout out to y'all, the um, Rupa Maria and Raj Patel that wrote the book Inflamed. Please read it. Y'all, it talks about the like way that our our bodies are mirroring our earth body in inflammation and what mm-hmm. we need to be paying attention to. Because it's like being the like the frogs in the very slow boil. Yeah. Um, we need to be paying attention to the nuances of inflammation in our body and on our earth body mm-hmm. because they are at the root of every single thing that we are dying from. Yeah, um, totally. And this makes me think about like our food system and how like healthy, nutritious and fresh food is not accessible or affordable. Mm-hmm. And the food that is available is like chemicals. <laughs> like of, of, of course people are unwell. Like of course mm-hmm. people have fucked up relationships to food um, and, and, and everything that goes along with that. Like, mm-hmm. And in in this episode, I think we're talking largely about the impact on our mental health, but there's definitely, um, yeah, a lot that can be said about the impacts on our our, our physical health as well. I mean, and it's really, really, uh, yeah. And also just like, yeah, calling out the uh, like, annoyance I have that I had to separate those in my mind that, <laughs> that I felt the need to separate those because again that's how the system is like well there's physical health and then there's mental health and honoring the ways in which physical health spiritual health emotional health mental health I don't remember if I said physical health first but that's in there <laughs> Like those are not separate from one another and those are not separate from the earth. Nope. All together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, neurotypical and neurodivergent. Neurotypicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I don't know if that's the like a, a... whatever it's a word because i said it's a word (laughs) boss ass bitch because i said how that works (laughs) and i just it's funny because i like the way it feels in my mouth neurotypicality even though i like i don't like that 
Yeah. What's behind it? You know, I don't know. It's just like fun to say. It's like cacophonous. It's like yeah, a, tic- yeah, yeah. a TikTok bouncing like, across your tongue. Bur- 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. Anyway, <laughs> we're neurodivergent. <laughs> that wasn't clear. What is what does it mean? What does it mean to be neurotypical? Oh man. Um I mean like okay, so Binaries are fun because they give us polarities to play with and let's, you know, sayonara, chow chow mm-hmm. to binaries. But in in regards to like those two words being pitted once against one another, like the only thing that I can boil down to that neurotypicality means is that it is nervous systems that are can flow easily with dominant systems. Mm. Like yeah. And so as far as that fits within our context where we're hanging out now is like those are nervous systems that can flow with white body supremacy expectations mm. and like patriarchal expectations, mm-hmm. capitalistic expectations, heteronormative, you know, capitalistic expectations, linear thinking mm-hmm. um, that that moving with that part of your nervous system first feels OK. Right. Like you can do it. It doesn't cause you suffering. Mm-hmm. We can. Well debate on whether it does yeah. or not but you know like that, that your, your nervous system can flow um i'd say we call get called neurodivergent when our nerv- nervous system does anything but that yeah um now so like we then say like okay so diverging from what right and you mm-hmm. and i were talking earlier on like well you know we get a little bit closer to being more inclusive with those those words if we start to merge towards like neurodiversity just like biodiversity like we have a huge ass diversity of how nervous systems work Mm-hmm. Why should we expect anybody's nervous system to work exactly like ours and vice versa? Like, let's get to know each other as like yeah. radically cool humans we are. But as humans, we do like patterns and yep. we do. Well, we love binaries, but we <laughs> love, we're, we're really good at recognizing patterns, too. Yep. And so then we say, like, this is a pattern and that pattern is normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Mm hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, but what's normal? I've just, I've never wanted to be normal, to be honest. I can't be. So like, <laughs> um, there's a don't want it, can't have it. <laughs> nah, there's an um, autistic author that you know maybe we'll put a little tack on here on who because I can't remember their name right now. Um, that proposed the binary of like neurophobic and neurophilic Ooh. as something to consider. And so what does it mean like neurophilic to be like in love with the neurology that's around you and in your, in love with your mm-hmm. own. And then, like, we live in very much a neurophobic society yeah. where, like, whew, whew, you're just slightly a little different than me, like, threat. You know what comes up, though, when you say neurophobic? Yeah. I'm afraid of brains. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a broken zombie. <laughs> it's like in therapy by itself being like, my family wants me know. to eat them, but I can't. <laughs> I can't even get close to one. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, if there are any like artists, like comic artists out there, I need you to make a comic strip that's like a zombie in therapy <laughs> for for neurophobia. <laughs> thank you, please and thank you. <laughs> that's some fucking amazing. Oh man, where were we? <laughs> we were on neurophilic and neurophobic, right? Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, what happens when somebody's afraid of like when fear comes up, then we cause harm. Mm. Right. Like so our bodies do have a hard time and our brains have a hard time integrating cognitive dissonance. So like the fact that there's two ideas that are trying to exist in opposition with each other at the same time. No, like, no, 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 don't do it. Again. 
hurt. <laughs> um, and that's so profoundly woven into our bodies because of the consequence of being, di- quote unquote, different in any way in our country is death. Like, Totally. Yeah, there's like very real consequences. Cake or death. Cake or death. Like the United States goes to death. Yeah. Um, And so our bodies know that, right? And so like there is this like deeply, you know, profound experience of being able to tune into like, okay, I want to choose life. And to choose life means to choose to live in my body in the way that it works. Mm -hmm. And figuring that out against all odds. Um, And to do it together. Yeah. Um, but like, let's look, let's normalize that. Like, yeah, if we live in a neurophobic society, having a nervous system that either like, just like having a nervous system that is not linear, that Mm -hmm. is creative, that is expansive, that is like always asking why that's moi, Mm. um, that's going to not bode so well for you, um, all the time. And also it's going to bode incredibly well for you because whoa, staying in the constraints of capitalism and colonialism is, like, ridiculously binding. Yeah. But you get rewarded. You do. With a false sense of safety and security and potentially material goods. You're in the right. (laughs) Material goods. Material goods. (laughs) Okay. Cake or death, you get cake. Cake. I, I like cakes. So I understand why people choose cake. You know, I get it. I get it. For those like, citing that's Eddie Izzard joke, like y'all, it's not just me being super random right now. <laughs> it doesn't sound cake familiar. Or death. Cake or death. Yeah. Death cake. Okay, so when we're talking about neurodivergence, and I had this thought when we were prepping for the episode, I was just thinking about how. Well, you helped me clarify the difference between neurodivergence and neurodiversity. Neurodivergence being this is separating from this other pole that we've described as normative and neurodiversity being just like the natural state of things. (laughs) Like (laughs) there are billions of human brains in the world and like, of course, they all function differently. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking about, we love to recognize these patterns. So yeah. like, pa- like there are distinguishable patterns 100%. in terms of like how brains work. Mm-hmm. But there's also so much diversity and expansiveness within that. Yeah. And that is the most natural thing in the world. Yep. Like we see that reflected in nature mm-hmm. so very much. So, yeah. So how do we honor the diversity of our working brains or or not working brains (laughs) and is it okay for our brains to just like not work sometimes oh yeah for sure as in two minutes ago when I had a complete brain (laughs) fart and could not think of where my brain was trying to go next (laughs) and so maybe this is a good opportunity to weave in some of our personal lived experience with brains (laughs) with our brains and the systems and uh yeah what we call mental health and mental wellness and healing and all of that journey yeah do you want to start you want me to go what you feeling yeah i can start um so you know i 
it's funny. I think we've we've already established that you and I kind of identify as like neurodivergent or neurospicy. We like that term. (laughs) And there have been there. I'm, you know, I and many people I think are on a journey that takes lots of twists and twists and turns. And I'm I'm very much like still on it. And so um, but there was a time in my life when I clung really hard to like my diagnoses. Mm, so mm-hmm. I uh, at like 16 was diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety and um, kind of self-diagnosed with ADHD and then later more officially diagnosed. And like for such a long time, like I like being like depression was a part of my identity. It was yeah. just like I am a depressed person. Um and for me, it was somewhat helpful to have a framework and to be on the journey of like receiving psychoeducation around how my brain was working and like, um, you know, also the weird information about like how my brain is supposed to be working <laughs> and like how <laughs> how other people. And, you know, like when I was younger, like it was difficult to recognize that like my experience wasn't the only experience you know because when you're young you're just like egocentric as fuck yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) and and then also the the ways in which like those systems especially with people who are granted privilege like encourage you to to stay unaware of like how other people function Mm. or like um anyway so that was kind of like some early experiences I had and there's more that could be said about that but as I got older and you know was on my on my journey um this kind of just led to a desire to work with other people who are hurting Mm -hmm. and be able to support them in whatever way that I could and so that's looked like a variety of things for me over the years. Um, I had some experience working in a community mental health program as a peer counselor, um, as identifying with someone who has a lived experience with mm-hmm. mental illness. And also want to just like name for for me the um, complexity around the intersection of like mental health and disability yeah. and um, not knowing whether it was like appropriate for me to like identify as being disabled when a lot of my experience is like as someone who is often deemed a quote unquote high functioning, like depressive or high functioning, blah, 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 which just means I am generally pre- like pretty my my system is accommodated to the normative system Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for the ways that it's not (laughs) (laughs) and the end I'm rewarded for like playing the game you know I were talking about um but anyway like I so starting from peer counseling led me to want to go to get my master's in social work because I was starting to burn out and was like okay I realized that 
doing the work of like individual and community healing is something that I want to be able to do for as long as I can. And I want to be able to have, yeah, longevity in that and like sustainability within myself. And so knowing I need to like tend to my vessel really well in order to be able to serve. You you can't pour from an empty cup kind of vibe. Sure. And um, so, yeah. And now I'm working as a mental health therapist, which is wild. I just started that piece of my journey. Um, But I think a lot about the ways that I have healed. Um, And I think two of the biggest ones are um, through art and creativity. Um, I remember like back when I was a a young, wee, depressed teenager (laughs) and I could not like function. Like I couldn't concentrate on school. I couldn't, I couldn't like do anything. What I could do was I brought a giant bag of colored pencils and a big fat coloring book and I would sit in class and I would just like color all day. And that was kind of like the beginning of my introduction to like what would become like expressive arts therapy or just like using creative outlets Mm -hmm. to process uh, emotions and to to self-regulate. And so I've done that through music. I've done that through poetry. I've done that through dance. I've done that through singing. I've done that through visual art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I'm just like so passionate about. Like I believe that we are creative beings and just the creative process in and of itself can be really healing. Um, and yeah, that there's, that there's so many ways for us to express ourselves beyond words and so really interested about and that feels like um it also feels like a way of like decolonizing therapy a little bit and like that (laughs) this is a whole tangent we can go into and in terms of the way that like therapeutic modalities become (laughs) 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 colonized (laughs) and like like, cause, cause who owns like being creative, you know, <laughs> like everyone should have access to that. Like those are ancestral tools for just like being alive and thriving and the ways in which to, anyway, that's it. That's a tangent. Um, and then, sorry. So the second thing that I want to just name as having been really healing for me is community. Um, and doing those things in community, being creative and and expressive in various ways has just been so profoundly healing for me. Mm-hmm. Le- learning and learning about my my body and the ways in which my physical, mental, spiritual, emotional mm-hmm. health and well being are not just mine. They're they're so interconnected with um, the web of my immediate community, but also the the wider web as well Mm -hmm. um recognizing like my kinship with the the earth the earth Mm -hmm. body and 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 all its creatures and that feels really important as a way to kind of like circle back on where we started like individual healing's not enough (laughs) Like because we're we're and because we're sick because of these systems. So like we have we have to heal in community and we have to heal in relationship to the earth. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And uh, and there's so many 
there's so many people that have a lot of wisdom around that. That's, I'll pause there. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful to hear your story told in circles. And all the different circles coming together. Yes. I can like, y'all don't have the like opportunity to see Bex's hands moving and their eyes going in circles. And like, there's just like so many circles. My eyes rolling in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's interconnected, rolling with yeah. each other. It's so good to watch. Well, and it's so interesting, you know, like to try to tell a piece of, of my story mm-hmm. in, and then I'm like, I'm jumping here and I'm jumping here because t- as we discussed uh, before we started the episode, time is fake. Time is <laughs> time's not linear. <laughs> Here we are. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What does this bring up for you? Oh wow! Like a little bit of context, y'all. Um, I have had the like deep like drive to figure out how to get to like the most acute places of restoration since I was really young. I used to think I was supposed to be a surgeon, like supposed to get like deep in the body to be able to help people in their most dire moments. Like it's been kind of like how I've probably had a like laser focus. Um, you know, hey, autistic, <laughs> special interest of the body. Um, and so because of that, I've been like hyper drawn to like, okay, so where where is the healing actually happening? Where does it need to happen? Um, how are things built? What's the intricacies of it? All that kind of stuff. And that mind has drawn me to situations in which I've been in like really profound relationships from a young age with like acute scenarios of need. Um, and pairing that with the polarity of being raised in a space with an identity, I'm a white bodied, you know, mobile human that. I flew completely under the radar of having any of my diagnoses during school because I grew up in a space where there was spaciousness to be a wild child. Hmm. Not everybody gets that. If my body had been constrained, I would have had so many of the behavior problems that are associated with the externalization of the way that my nervous system is wired. But I had space to roam. I had invitations to move with nature. I was like brought onto the dance floor as a very little kid. So I had rhythm in my life all the time. Um, there was music in my school. We went to the ocean. We grew food together. So like I can look at these moments in which like I know had I not had access to those like opportunities to co-regulate with nature mm. and to be protected around my identities, I can track how my fate would have been very different. Um, and when I have had experiences with acute trauma in my life or mental health need, like those protective systems were around. So like Mixed with the fact that like the things that I was going through weren't allowed to be talked about. So there was this like weird spaciousness to be taken care of, but just don't pay attention to the thing that caused pain. So it's a very interesting mishmash of things. So like my family depended on the medical system and rather than like mental health system when my mental health stuff showed up. Um, so when my mental health showed, stuff started to show up more acutely, aka when I was like figuring out that I couldn't come out because I didn't have a way of coming out like because there weren't words enough for me to be able to describe who I was like I wasn't mm. you know I wasn't lesbian enough to be a lesbian back then like bi was just hypersexualized. I definitely wasn't straight but like I you know I'm a, a, a boy that likes boys I didn't have those words back then um <clears throat> in whatever body they might come in but um at that point my parents like turned to the medical system and I was put on birth control to navigate my depression so what did that do to my what? development? It worked. 
it mellowed me out. It brought my poles of high, Worked high. was in quotes. Worked, yes, work was in quotes. <laughs> it quote unquote worked. Um, and then I was given vitamin B. So vitamin B, yeah, my, my body needed more stimulus because of being as like, you know, neuroexpansive as I was. I needed internal stimulus and I needed internal modulation. And so I was given those through chemicals at like a young age, but not mental health therapy. But then my body, being as wise as it was, knew how good it felt to move with people. And I needed to start to move with a purpose that was helping me contend with what I was learning about the world around like how fucked up the United States was and like what it meant to live here and what it meant to try to come here, particularly after like our country has abused somebody else's country. They come here under the protection mm. of the oppressor. Like being in a place where a lot of migration from like South America and Central America and Mexico was happening in California and where like California is a place where the border got, you know, the border crossed the folks who lived there like they didn't cross the border yeah. and living in that land and being bilingual and like learning those stories about how bodies were just being like rapidly impacted by systems. But like the people around me who didn't speak Spanish weren't talking about it in English. Mm. It wasn't being spoken because we we're all trying to pretend that like life was hunky dory and we should all be happy here because we're living in fucking paradise in Santa Cruz, California. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so like as I was figuring out what I was contending to as a human on this planet in ways that nobody was really talking to me about. I was like, what's the ways that I need to figure out how to hang with this? And I knew intuitively, thankfully, I think we all kind of do that we need community somehow. And so like mm. I reached for the church. Mm. My parents didn't belong to a church, but I had this rat ass church down the street that was like full of a bunch of surfer hippies who like would do service projects and stuff, would get together and sing and would pray for one another. Mm. So like I got community wow. like that. Yeah. And like community that like really wanted to have your back. Mm. Now there was context to it, right? You weren't allowed to have sex and you shouldn't be queer. <laughs> Hypersexual queer kid over here had to do some weird morphing. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think it was also hyper protective because like I knew that that's how I found my most joy. Like I knew that from a very young age that like being of service and being in community and being in song with one another, mm. like that's where I felt the most joyous. So I was also a drama kid. Um, that yes. saved my ass being on the dance floor and choreographing for the drama department, like so fucking protected. Mm. Um, I was hanging out with a bunch of queers, so it was great. Yep. <laughs> Just a closeted one. Love you all. I am one of you. We've, we've, <laughs> we've figured that out since. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The game of like, let's go back to high school and find out which, how many of us are queer now. Yeah, totally. And then you go into the drama apartment and it's like, everyone raises a hand we in are some here. way. We're here together. <laughs> yeah. But kind of like, you know, fast forward that type of like acute focus on like, where do I want to be of greatest service? Um, I immediately after graduating from my undergrad, like got into the foster care system to figure out like that was my first job. I was working as a foster care case manager at the border between San Diego and Tijuana, supporting Latinx families with babies from zero to five. Mm. Um, so on this program, um, I was in direct relationship with parents who had acutely harmed infants. And so from a very young age, I was like, what what's going on here? Like, how do how can I dig deep and show up with love? Like, there's there's has to be deep reasons as to why a human would treat their child like this. Mm. And holding the baby, watching the baby heal while they have just enough space from their parent, watch their parent try to heal mm. and like create some sort of like reunion around that. Like that led me to ask a fuck ton of questions about what does that actually really mean? Um while I was starting a deep dive into like the yogic practices at the time on what does it mean to like heal your body holistically from a framework that is outside of like Western medicine. 
um, put the two together and like I go into a deep dive of the nervous system and have been f absolutely fascinated with the way that global systems of violence play out in the way that we breathe, the way that we move and the way that we heal. So I went down the road of figuring out how to become like a complex trauma specialist. And I did that through getting my social work degree. Also ADHD moment. I talked to a counselor and they're like, are you going to want to do something other than therapy probably with your degree? And I was like, most definitely give me all the options. She's like, just get a social work degree. You'll be able to work anywhere. Yep. <laughs> They'll need you everywhere. Yeah. True. Career protection. Got it. Um, <clears throat> trauma goes up. My job protection goes up. It's a wild experience. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wild. Anywho. Um, so that's played out into um, I've been a mental health therapist for about a decade. I worked in community mental health from 2012 to 2017, 2015 to 2020. I was a trainer across the Western United States and Latin America and the Caribbean in an evidence-based practice, EBP, um, that focused on trauma-sensitive breath and movement um, and got to co-facilitate that with a bunch of badasses across the globe. Um, and there's just been all of these like really rad ways that the more I have become confident in the fact that like what we're healing from and what does healing really look like in regards to like being able to create connection through our own nervous system, our nervous system being able to have a predictable enough connection with other people and with our planet, mm. the more easily I've been able to um, like hone in on how I want to practice and what does it mean that what, what am I healing from? So every mm. layer of clarity around what kind of practitioner do I want to grow into has made me deconstruct myself and redefine my entire fucking life, particularly as a white person. Um, and... Um, and want to show up in ways where we get to do that with as much access as possible. Um, so, you know, my mental health is sustained through rest, through physical connection, um, through being really mindful that I'm getting the nutrients that my body needs, um, to being in communion with like the tides around here, the sunrise and the sunset, make sure that I'm on good rhythms. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and, you know, and being in really wise relationship with the plants around me that are hyper supportive. Like the plants, Mother Earth grows them for us and we have receptors within us that when we hang out with the right plants and the right frequency, it's so good. <laughs> You know, like nature is such a healer. I mean, she is. She's our original. She's our original mother. She has everything we need. Yeah, she's e ev everything. E even we just, need. I, I'm just like thinking of the, the like meme around like, gotta take my silly little walk for my silly little mental health. Which is <laughs> just, just like so real. It's just like, have you ever just like been in such a shitty place and then gone for a walk and then be like wow I can see the sky and feel the earth cool mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't always fix well, it doesn't necessarily fix anything but it it helps for me shift perspective and uh you are reminded you're alive yeah mm -hmm. yeah yep yep Ugh. flowers mm. Broccoli gives you gives you trunks <laughs> when you eat broccoli. Tiny trees. Tiny trees. That you get, can eat. And then you get a really good trunk. You know, yeah. your trunks can feel strong. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
go from here? Mm. How do we queerly heal together while also respecting our neurodiversity Mm -hmm. and recognizing that there's no one right way to heal. Um, Everyone's, everyone's path looks a little bit different. We, we find a lot in common along the way. Um, Yeah. It's imp- I think it's important for, you know, each of us to in- invest our energy in our own healing to the capacity that we can. And that requires support. Mm-hmm. That requires community and connection and access to resources and access to care, access to nature, to the earth. Yeah. And if we're going to take a full circle, since we are taking a full circle, you know, like, how do we queer our healing? Um, want to be mindful that, like, this is happening everywhere. Like, queering our healing um, is, a, is a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, keep an eye out for those of you, you know, for the folks around you that are doing it. Um, and... There are some bright lights in our generation that have um, created materials that are available for us to learn from and to co-learn with. And so bringing in the Emergent Strategy series, like the whole series, y'all, but kicked off by the original book by Adrienne Marie Brown. And the invitation within Emergent Strategy is to follow the patterns within nature and mirror them as often as possible. Mm mirror them with our behavior, mirror them with the way that we design, mirror them with our relationships. Um, And so a core piece that we want to continue to bring through through this podcast and through our conversations is um, opportunities for us to be able to give example of that happening in real life, in real time, um, Mm -hmm. in our own bodies and with each other. Um, So. Yeah. Yeah, a couple pieces that I want to, yeah, just highlight from that as well. Speaking of Adrienne Marie Brown and what has resonated with me from the last page that I flipped open to in the Emergent Strategy book, um, is healing being nonlinear. Mm-hmm. period. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The complexity of doing healing while still being exposed to systems of harm Mm -hmm. is complex and, and nuanced and every, every step 
is important, whether it feels like a step forward or a step backward or steps round and round in circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's no right or wrong way to heal. And every breath is healing. What does it mean to queer our healing? Endless possibilities. What does it mean to queer our healing? Letting wild nature lead. Come with your questions, come with your magic. Come, come, come. Thanks for listening to Queerly Forward. This podcast has been recorded and produced in collaboration with On Purpose Recordings. If you have questions, requests for topics, or feedback about the show, reach for us via email at queerlyforwardpod at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at queerlyforward. Take Take care care out out there, queers. queers.